A key trait that I look for when hiring salespeople is curiosity. I believe curiosity is the number one thing that you need to grow your business. And in today's episode, I interview two people who have partnered to create an incredible system that won the AHR Innovation Award. Plus, how one of them got this opportunity in part by hiring a former police officer to be a private driver for his limo. So check out today's interview to hear the whole story and learn some sales and marketing tips to help you grow your business to a point where it becomes sellable. Hey everyone, Jack Jost is here and welcome to the Landscaper's Guide podcast where we share sales, marketing, and leadership inspiration to help grow the snow and landscape industry. Today, I'm at a warehouse at a factory for one of my clients out in Wilmington, Delaware. It's, it's a bit different from our normal episodes, but one of my clients has successfully sold his company and we get to hear about what he did to get it to that point plus a bunch of other ideas that are gonna help you grow your business. So if you're new here, make sure you subscribe at landscapersguide.com slash podcast. See a link in our show notes and we'll instantly sell you, sell you, we're gonna instantly send you our top three business podcasts. So let's get into this conversation. All right, here we are at the Airgreen factory in Wilmington, Delaware. We just finished doing a video shoot for Airgreen and BMIL's partnership in this new product, the AG1000. Now, this, this has nothing to do with the landscape industry, at least I don't, I don't think it does, but I'm excited to have you guys on the show because this is just an interesting business story. I've been working with you, Tom, for nearly 10 years. I think so. I, I think it's, it's been close to 10 years, and um, we took over your website around 10 years ago. We helped you with some SEO Tell us a little bit, who are you and what is BMIL? BMIL is a company that does integration of refrigeration technologies, including project execution. We buy components from other suppliers. We design those components into a refrigerated warehouse or facility and procure the parts, assemble the thing, start it up and turn it over. And so you recently partnered with John from Airgreen to create the AG1000. So John, who, tell us a little bit, who are you and what should we know about you? Okay, well, Airgreen, uh, we design and manufacture uh, novel air conditioning and dehumidification systems, uh, utilizing a brine solution to strip moisture directly out of the air, which makes that system inherently more efficient than standard mechanical cooling equipment. And we ran into Tom, gosh, it's gotta be 16, 18 months ago, uh, Tom had a need, and uh, he felt like we might have the solution that would uh, help him address customer concerns. Yeah, so I'm curious, how did you guys meet? Well, John's sales manager, Len, picks up the phone and starts calling around the industry and said, I've got this technology, and I'd like to find a way to turn it into a product that we can package and ship. And I've been around a while, so some people knew me and mentioned my name, and I'm five miles from here going up I-95 and I get a phone call from this guy named Len I've never met but other people I know had met him and he said hey could you come by and talk to us we've got this technology we don't uh, entirely have to figure out how we're going to go to market with it and I said well I happen to be five miles from you and 
I literally was five miles from them, but we're 500 miles from my home. And I pulled in and I couldn't believe what I saw. So how did Len find you? Did he, is he just cold calling people in the industry or what, did you guys have a relationship prior to this? Never knew Len before. Uh, I know a lot of people in the industry. He knows a lot of people in the industry. He started asking people in the industry who could help us with this problem. Uh -huh. And I don't know how many people, but some people said to him, hey, call Tom Backman. So he and I did not know each other, but we knew people that knew us both and, and they connected us. And so then you happened to be within five miles of Wilmington? I happened to be five miles from this Wilmington, Delaware plant and I traveled the country, I traveled the world and I just happened to get that phone call. I was 15 minutes away. That's incredible. So you're based in North Carolina. You yes. were up here on some other business trip. Yes. And tell us about your, your driver, Tom, because I think this is just interesting so, Dur you know, during COVID. Right before COVID, we're doing really well in the refrigeration business. And it just dawns on me. I leave, let's say my home in North Carolina. I drive to an airport. I take a flight to Charlotte. I sit on a layover. I take a flight to Philadelphia. I rent a car. I get in the car. I drive to Air Green and 10 hours later, I'm coming into my hotel and there's 500 emails waiting for me. Mm -hmm. I thought, why don't I buy a car with a decent back seat, get a little wooden desk, hire a driver. So I did it. And by good fortune, I did it right before COVID. <laughs> so I put up an ad and uh, on Indeed. We hire a lot of our employees on Indeed. It's been very successful. But I put this ad up and uh, somebody doesn't respond to the ad. He calls our office and he talks to people in the office. And uh, one of my employees comes in my office. He says, hey, I, uh, I got a guy here. I think, are you hiring a bodyguard? And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, some retired cop was going to drive you around. And I hadn't told anyone what I was up to. So the next day, he calls me, this retired cop named Tom. And uh, he said, I'm interested, blah, blah, blah. He sounded right. So why don't you come down and meet me? He said, great. He lived four hours away. I said, I got a better idea. I have a trip on Monday. This was Friday. I said, I have a trip on Monday. Why don't you come on a trip with me? See if you like it. And I can tell you, I know him now. This is completely out of character for him but he came to Moorhead City, North Carolina, met me, took a three-day trip with me, and we had never met. At the end of the three-day trip, it was clear to us, we're doing this. Long story short, I get a little wooden desk, I hire the driver. Ironically, he ends up moving to the coast where he wanted to live anyway, mm -hmm. and he's driving me around. It's how I was so close that day at Airgreen, but a year after I hire him, maybe less than a year, COVID hits. And my competitors largely work for large organizations that said their salespeople can't call on anyone anymore. They got to stay home. Wow, what an opportunity. I doubled our sales during COVID because I was stealing customers because my main competitors wouldn't come in the door. And I'd walk in the door and my customers would say, finally, someone's here. Can you sell me this? And we really had a good go of it during COVID. That's awesome. It, well, it's just great luck and it was awesome. So, so you just happened to be up here I tell you where I was at. I was driving by here on my way to the Pepsi Research and Development Center in Valhalla, New York, to call on them about installing an environmental room, which we have now installed. And I was just passing by here on my way to go through New York City to get to Valhalla when I got the phone call. That's amazing. And so Len, Len does Len work for you? Yeah, Len's our uh, sales and marketing director. 
And so he reached out to, to Tom. Do you remember the first time that you talked to Tom and how was that? Yeah, well, it was shortly after that. Uh, Len called me and said, hey, listen, I talked to this guy, Tom, wanted to know if it was okay if he stopped by. I said, sure, you know, I'm always willing to have someone, you know, smart and energetic come by and talk. And of course, Tom had, you know, knew about the kind of work that we did and how the potential of its technology to be additive to what, you know, he envisioned. So, you know, we, after, <clears throat> you know, spending a fair amount of time, again, designing and, and building uh, units with this novel technology, it's really refreshing to have someone come in and immediately get it and be enthusiastic about it. And so we were able to really just start talking about what the potential might be if we took you know, what, what, uh, what BML does for a living and what we do for a living and put them together to create something new and different. And that's what we've done right behind us. So for people who maybe aren't in the refrigeration industry, what is ASHRAE and what is the air, what is the award that you've, you've won? Um, well, ASHRAE is a technical uh, community of people in the heating and air conditioning and refrigeration business. They, uh, every year, uh, prior to their big annual convention, where they start to take applications for innovative technologies in certain categories. You know, we were looking at, well, I wonder if we can do something in the field of refrigeration um, that, that uh, uh, you know, we've been targeting by putting his stuff and our stuff together. We uh, filled out the application. This organization, uh, these applications are, are uh, read and graded by technical experts across a variety of air conditioning and heating and refrigeration fields. And, uh, you know, you answer a number of questions and they give you scores and then they rack the scores up and, and really see who's come up with something that's really cool and different. Well, so what is it about this that's cool and different? What problem does it solve that hasn't been solved before? Well, uh, let me tee it up and then I'll let Tom, uh, Tom hit it. Um, what AirGreen does for a living, we use a brine solution that allows us to strip moisture directly out of the air. So unlike traditional cooling dehumidification where you have to cool all the way down to the dew point in the low 50s, mm -hmm. high 40s, and then literally reheat to get back to your comfort conditions, mm -hmm. again, for the air conditioning world, we're able to do that in a direct path because we are using the salt solution to strip moisture directly out of the air. It makes it considerably more energy efficient. We apply those same principles uh, to the uh, to the refrigeration space that Tom spends his time working in. You want to hit that one home? So I want to address this by talking about what happens the day I walk in here. Okay. I walk in here and I hear about this, what they're up to, and I'm interested, but I just don't have my mind around where they're headed. And John just mentioned they're talking about comfort conditioning, but dry air. Go back. 25 years, I tried to come up with a way to refrigerate air without defrost, especially to cool it down to temperatures that are getting close to freezing. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, I tried to do it with a film of oil and let the moisture get in the oil and turn into little balls of ice and harvest the ice off the oil by heating the oil up, letting the water melt, which would put it below the oil and I could drain it off. Just didn't work very well. We got water out, but it was ineffective, a lot of energy. Oil got really thick when it got really cold. It just was problematic. And after a few years of working on this with a friend of mine, we gave up. So I walk in here one day, 80 feet behind here, they have a test stand and they're sitting here running it and they're talking about air conditioning. And I look inside and I'm like, oh my God, 
we don't need to use defrost anymore. They're taking water out of the air with refrigerated brine, and they're using heat to push the water out of the brine into the outdoor air. Suddenly, we have a machine that doesn't need defrost. They knew how to do makeup air, so we got going on makeup air for rooms in a world where we would normally have to have defrost cycles. Got really excited. Be honest with you, I stayed in a hotel here in Delaware that night. I couldn't sleep, I stayed up all night and designed what you see here. Came back in the next day and I said, guys, we gotta do something about this. And we, that moment, decided we'd share the costs, keep track of who spent what, square it up later and get building. So, and we yeah. did it. And Tom sent us, sent us some of their equipment and said, let's hook into your pilot plant and let's, let's see what happens. And I was, you know, what, what I really enjoyed about that first day, Tom comes in, yeah, un, you know, you, serious look on his face. He's like, you know, what do, I asked Tom, I said, what does success look like? And he said, well, if we get our dew points down to 25 degrees Fahrenheit or lower, it's a home run. And with about 10 minutes in, we turned a little knob and it went, Woo. I'm standing there next to him. He says, slow the air down so we can get colder. And Lavanya, engineer standing there, moving all the bells and whistles and tweaking the knobs, turns it a little. He turns a little more, turns a little more, and we get to 25 degrees. He's like, let's keep going. 15 degrees, let's keep going. Zero degrees, let's keep going. Minus 10, let's keep going. Minus 20, minus 25. We actually don't know if we can reliably run a machine without defrost at minus 25 degrees, but I can tell you we have done it for hours in this facility in the summer successfully. So we right now aren't stretching this to temperatures below about 25F, but we're really excited. The potential of this is gonna take, in my opinion, 10 years to completely unfold. It's really a great thing we stumbled across. Here. So who's gonna end up using the AG1000? <clears throat> so in today's world, when you own a commercial building and you have employees working in that building, by code you have to provide ventilation. That's not such a big deal at air conditioning, but it's why they were inventing the air green technology is to create ventilation in that situation where you need refrigerated but dehumidified air. You can't put wet outside air in a building without causing a lot of problems and discomfort. Now think about this, refrigerated rooms need ventilation air. There isn't a technology that does it. So we put together what I knew with what AirGreen knew and came up with a simple package machine that creates this cold dehumidified air for meat cutting rooms, for hazardous material storage room where the material's hazardous, so it's gotta be refrigerated and ventilated. Uh, for pharmaceutical warehouses, for laboratories, mm -hmm. uh, anywhere where there's people working in a cold room, you need ventilation. But until now, it's been so expensive to do that, the end users are essentially ignoring the code. Uh, we're pretty excited that we think we have a pretty economical solution. So it seems like you guys met and then very quickly started collaborating in a very deep way. We did. and and sort of strangely developed a trust fast and nobody's betrayed the trust. We're still just working on a handshake and we've deep dove and spent a lot of money to get here, but still getting along and nobody's gotten sideways with anyone. I'm about to though, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so how often does that happen for you? Where you just get a cold call, you're out in your limo it's and you go and meet somebody and then like 
months later you're winning in one you of sound most, really one you of sound most, really fancy in your limo yeah, yeah i was gonna say please don't call it a limo oh, oh it's in, it's in, a limo it's a limo what's that movie that that they, that the guy has lincoln the lawyer yeah, the lincoln lawyer it is <laughs> the lincoln lawyer it is the lincoln lawyer so back to the limo thing uh and then i'll answer your question about how often do i stumble on these situations um the day my driver Tom, retired cop, started, we get in the car and we take our first trip and we stop mm -hmm. for the first time. And he says to me, don't be thinking I'm opening doors for you. <laughs> <laughs> Which was never even a thought in my head. So we have this standing joke, probably half the time he puts the car in park, I'm like, door? <laughs> and of course he's never opened it. That being said, uh, it's amazing on a very regular basis we're driving down the highway, we're a thousand miles from home and I'll get a phone call for somebody out of the blue and I'm 50 or 60 miles away from whoever's looking to find me. It's just amazing. I don't know why it happens. If you go through life being curious, right? And have an open mind, these things will go by and you'll notice them, okay? If you're not curious, okay? And you're, you don't wanna know how the world works, then those things, you know, those things go by and you don't notice them. So I don't think it's that odd that what has happened to you um, is like happened more than once because of your outlook, you know, because you are curious, because you want to know how things work, right? The people that don't do that, they just don't notice that those things were there because they went just right by. Well, speaking of curiosity, what did you ask Len before, the, before you decided to come here? You had to have asked him something to make sure that it was worth even entertaining a trip over here. I did. I said, Len, is this another liquid desiccant system? He said, absolutely, but we've solved the problems. Biggest one being the liquid desiccant didn't stay in the unit. So I came here quite stern and serious, mm -hmm. convinced they wouldn't have solved that problem, but they had. And when I saw that they had and how they were doing it, that's when I said to myself, Oh boy, I can do cold ventilation air without defrost by virtue of the fact that they had a brine. The brine was taking water out of the air and without a defrost, they were expelling that water back into the air. But step one is they had to create a technology where the brine wouldn't leave the unit with the air, which no one had done, but they accomplished it. Tom. You've been very successful in business. You've, you've sold your company and you're still, you still own part of it. So right. you've reached a level that many people listening aspire to. What, what are some of the things that you've done that helped you get to that point that you think might apply to business in general to become sellable? I'll tell you something. I'm not the kind of entrepreneur that easily allows himself to hire a consultant, comes hard to me, has always come hard to me. The number one thing I did, and you were part of it, is about 10, 12 years ago, for a period of about 10 years or eight years, probably eight years, I brought in consultants to just look at me and my company and what I was trying to accomplish, but it wasn't happening fast enough or wasn't happening at all and ask, what are you seeing? And it got my head screwed on right. And, and the consultants that got me there, I think in the most case would have liked to have been part of my world for longer, but they, I bought from them 
some things I needed. I got those things and I moved on on my own and certainly morphed those things into what works for me. But one piece of advice I'll give is be open to the idea that somebody outside that you don't even know can step in and see what you don't see. That was a real big part of my development. And as an entrepreneur in a small company and you own and operate that company, it's real easy to convince yourself that anything is true. And sometimes you need somebody that doesn't work for you to have the courage to say, I don't think that is true. I think you're wrong. What were maybe some of those things that maybe they were difficult to hear at first that somebody helped you realize you were wrong about? I didn't have written operating procedures for my company. I came from that background, from big companies that had written operating procedures. And I thought my little entrepreneurial company didn't need that. And it didn't, as long as I stayed small. Mm. But it was way in my way because every time we got a little bigger, my employees would make massive mistakes because things were in my head, not in writing. And there was less time to get things out of me. Second thing I did is I had to admit, I can't sell everything this company ever sells. I've got to develop a rep network. And I did. Third thing is tracking leads. I didn't track our leads. It was all in my head and it, I woke up with it in my head and I knew what was going on. Well, we hit this point where I didn't. Nobody in my company had the habit of tracking leads in any way. We didn't have a SOP for tracking leads. So I looked at some maps, adopted a way to envision this, which was a baseball diamond. And the leads follow first base, second base, third base, homer out. And put those things together that were common sense suggestions from consultants that I had surrounded myself with. And all of a sudden, it starts going better. And we've just built from there. But those are the, some of the big ones. I can't sell everything. I can't be the only one that knows anything. And I can't remember where every lead is. I agree. Those are really basic things. But I can tell you that most companies aren't doing them. And even the big ones, sometimes I'm amazed by how big of companies are where they don't have those things in place. But when, once they do, things can really open up for them for growth. You know, I'm going through some changes in my company right now, which is a separate discussion. Good, positive, growth-oriented changes. And I sit back to myself and say, you know, those things have almost made my job easy now. So I can go expand into new things. I can spend time on things like this. Mm -hmm. And it's because I've got those things resolved and my machine operates without me better. And really that's a summary of what I learned with the help of outside consultants is stop being the hero. Stop being the driving force. Make sure it runs without you. That's really what it's about. Well, thanks so much for sharing. Um, John, I was curious if you had any other tips to add about sales and what works for you. Well, I, I'd like to expand a little bit on what Tom talked about. You know, he talked about bringing in consultants. When I, when I hear that, Tom, I think more of it is Tom found other smart people that he trusted mm -hmm. and learned things from them and then applied them to his business. Because the term consultant sometimes has like a negative, a, a negative connotation, right? Yeah, did for me. But the, the going back to his curiosity and, you know, which kind of 
forged him showing up one day with a lot of enthusiasm to see what we do for a living. That same curiosity related to not only his strengths, but also his weaknesses, which is there's some things I don't know. And I ought to find some people that know how to do this so that I don't have to invent it myself. Or, you know, there's only so much Tom, you know, that, that, that in a single day that you can use, right? Yep. And uh, those of us who have started up companies, we've all had that same experience where it's like, I can't do everything and I've got to build some capabilities and I got to figure out some shortcuts. And, and there are certain things that I want to partner on because we can't do it all of ourselves. And we like to think that what we're doing with uh, BMIL is, is an extension of that. You know, we're going to partner on certain parts of this new enterprise that we're building together. And that's going to be a fun ride. It, it really is. And I think it's going to solve a lot of problems for customers. Well, I'm really excited about what you guys are doing and wanted to thank you for having me out here to, Happy to, have you. to work with you on this. Um, how was doing the video shoot? Have you been on camera like this before? Uh, not in it's a, uh, not a, in such a fun way, you know, I spent the first, as an engineer, I spent the first part of my career as a chemical engineer working for DuPont. Mm -hmm. And so the video training that I had was usually related to uh, some sort of catastrophic event. And, okay. and you're on <laughs> CNN trying to explain <laughs> yeah. what the hell happened, right. you know, and, yeah. uh, and it's great. Great training, but they they come in and then they you have to watch yourself and they tell you what everything that you did wrong, but it, you know good preparatory work. Um, we've had I've been on uh, webcasts and podcasts before, and you know have spent most of my career in business development on top of engineering. So I'll talk to an empty room if I need to, you know. So so well, you did great today. Oh, so thank you, thank you. It was fun interviewing you guys and making some content, and I'm super excited for you to win that award and uh, tell people about this amazing technology. So well, it's a team effort. Thanks for working with me. And thanks, thanks Jack. For, yeah, thanks for coming on the Landscaper's Guide. Thank you. All right, everyone, thanks for watching the Landscaper's Guide podcast. One of the things that I talk about in my book is having a hell yes customer, a really clear focus in your marketing. And sometimes people hear that and they get really afraid. Well, what about my referrals? What about these other businesses that I work with? And I think that, that this is an interesting story today because I, I often work with landscape companies and I also work with companies outside of the landscape industry and the people in this episode happen to meet partly through networking and now they're doing an amazing collaboration together. So I think in marketing, having a clear focus in your outbound marketing doesn't always mean you're not going to get other referrals and things that might be a good opportunity through you through, um, through networking. So I hope you enjoyed today's show. Make sure you subscribe at landscapersguide.com slash podcast. My name's Jack Jostis, and I look forward to talking with you next week on the Landscapers Guide.